This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Back of the chest. (laughs) Coronavirus self-isolation podcast. Hello and welcome to Back of the Chest, the lockdown sessions. My name is Chris Hambling and I'm your host for another in our series of lockdown shows where we keep the spirit of football alive and talk nonsense. I'll introduce you to the panel after this short message. No paywall, no subscription. Back of the Nest. Fan-created podcasts, videos and articles. Free forever. Right, panel. It's, uh, yeah, it's a familiar sign of uh, Mr. Mike Scott. Hello, Mike. Hello, hello, all. How are you doing, Mr. Hambo? Oh, mate, I'm great. Love this lockdown. Um, you know, I say every single day is almost exactly the same. Apart from the days where I get to record a podcast, there's a slight difference there, isn't there? But um, excitingly, we've also been joined by Mr. Dr. Kerners. Hello. Hello, Dr. How are you doing? I'm fine. Um, it's getting a bit boring, though. Isn't it? Not yeah. the pod. I mean, we're only like two. <laughs> we're only like two minutes in, but just like the whole um, lockdown and coronavirus, it's just ah, uh, you know, it's just I don't know. I've been thinking about weird stuff lately. It's like, yeah. like so the color of peppers. So there's green, red, yellow, and orange. Is there yeah. a way of making like a pink pepper if you infuse two peppers together? I'm gonna I need think to check. If you go in Waitrose, you can actually get one. Um, so, I'm yeah, gonna check have to check this fact, but I swear I read somewhere that that the colour of peppers potentially changes depending on how where um, I don't necessarily know if there is a species thing. I need to I need to gonna Google it. Why don't you guys have a quick chat while I do that? Yeah, I mean I'm not really a actually I am a fan of peppers. It depends on how they are cooked and had, but like I was having a shower yesterday and I just, you know, I just listened to the previous show and then afterwards it just came into my head. I was like, can you infuse peppers together to create right. different colored peppers? Pre- prepare to have your mind blown. All right, go on. The, the ripeness of the pepper will dictate its coloring and flavor. Green peppers are the unripe version of red, yellow and orange peppers. They will grow into yellow, orange or red peppers 
When the pepper is green, it's less ripe and has a slightly bitter taste. It isn't quite as popular with the kids. Don't know why they put that bit at the end, <laughs> but, but there you go. So can, can we make other colours? Can we make other colours though? That's what I care about. I don't care about the current colours. Can we make other colour peppers? Um, How would you go about doing that? Because they're effectively the same, aren't they? Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Anyways, yeah, I'm fine, Hambo. Um, as I've <laughs> said before, <laughs> you don't sound fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm um, just, you, I'll just be thinking about that. You still uh, managing to keep to the lockdown rules? Uh, yeah, hundred um, percent. That's why I'm bored, and that's why I think about stuff like this. I mean, who thinks about coloured peppers in the I right mean, mind? I'm not surprised that you think about that sort of stuff. It's quite tame for the kind of stuff you usually think about. Usually thinking about conspiracies, aren't you? That's your favourite thing. Yeah, to be fair, there's not that many conspiracies. We went over the 5G one. Um, what else conspiracy? I don't think there's that many conspiracies out there right now. See, that's why my life is boring. There's nothing really to do. Nothing to think about. Well, Sai was talking earlier on, our, on the back of the Nest chat about the, uh, you know, the covid conspiracy that it was a man-made virus that lots of people are, are catching on to at the minute how do you feel about it well i mean uh, so what what are we talking about there's many conspiracies um there's one that was made in a lab yeah are we talking about that in china well yeah, yeah there's uh sorry mike we'll come to you in a bit but <laughs> there's yeah, there's a fact that the, 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 there are labs in the wuhan um area that were set up specifically to look at this type of virus. So people have made the leap that it was either deliberately or, or potentially accidentally leaked from that lab. How do you feel I about that? that? I, think, I think there's a potential possibility of that virus coming from the lab and being injected into the bat. And then as a result, you blame the bat. I've heard about <laughs> yeah. that. And I think that, yeah. that has a potential, but just straight out from the lab to human, I don't think that's the case. I think it's, if that was the case, I think it's been injected. But I think that's what Trump says. So I'm not too sure if I should think the same way. <laughs> but they yeah. Might, they, you know, they're always popping out of labs to inject bats with stuff, aren't they? That's the thing. How do you think they caught the bat? Well, it's in the markets anyways. Oh, okay. They injected it into a bat that was already in the market. Yeah. And then they blamed the market. And as a result, one stone hit two birds so you close the market and then you cause a whole pandemic because you didn't want the market open i've become confused mike what are your thoughts i'm probably actually happier that it came from a lab than some some bell end decided they didn't want to pack a crisp today they're just going to bite their head off a bat i mean that, that annoys me more that i've i've caught covid19 off somebody chewing on a bat um so yeah, I just you know, it, it, however it started, it's happened, and and if people want to start making xenophobic comments to blame, you know, to blame China, um, then fine, that that kind of thing's going to come up. Um, doesn't really matter how it started. Basically, we've been stuck inside for six weeks now, and it's not going anywhere. No, exactly. And I think I was saying this to Sai. Like the thing about conspiracies is that a lot of people think it because it gives them. It's much more comforting in some people's minds the idea that everything bad that happens is some kind of Machiavellian creation of some superpower that, that controls everything that we do rather than some random event that we have no control over. Uh, um, so, yes, dear. This is what's wrong with you. You've, <laughs> you. Look, we've had these talks many times while going to away games. You just think everything is normal. Everything is not normal. There's always something behind it. Why, why did... 
um, I think the CIA or FBI, whoever it was, released that there were aliens in Earth suddenly the other week. There's clearly something fishy going on. I think I think there's like, you see, there's always something that we don't know about. And why now? I mean, there's always conspiracies and some of them are true. Area 21, what is it for? Area 21, I'm not sure. Area 51. Oh, 51. Um, oh. <laughs> no, 21's the one that's so secret. <laughs> <laughs> Only you've heard of it. You've just broken it here on this podcast. Amazing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what's every? Like, that's what I'm saying. I I believe in some conspiracies, but of course, it depends on what they are. There are some, there are some weird things in this earth that Hamburg, you deny that may be happening. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, I am struggling. I I missed the massive announcement by the CIA, CIA or FBI that aliens are here. I've missed that. Um, when did that happen? It. I'll show. Um, they released. I saw it on Twitter. Um. Um, it was there was a there was a footage there was a footage that was oh, classified footage. apparently yeah that was that was classified and then afterwards they released it to the public I don't know why why would you release it to the public and all you talking about now? one one that happened ages ago that was the um, footage from the uh, aircraft carrier where the two planes tracked an unidentified object and it's extremely yeah. interesting stuff really exactly sorry, exactly sorry. but that's the thing we didn't know but, about this till now well to about two and a half years ago. Um, Mike, you, you desperately want to get in on this. I I felt like what Hambo meant there was he's just kind of nihilist about it and, and what happens, happens, which is uh, sort of my thought on it. Um, but I, I wouldn't mind sort of moving the conversation towards some palace talk um, because I think we can leave chatting non-palace stuff for an hour to the preview mm. dance. How about mm. a quiz? All right, let's have a quiz. Okay, so it's quiz time. Um, and producer Mikey is not only joining us, but he suggested we do it early in the pod today for those people that don't bother listening to the end usually. Uh, shame on you if that's you. Um, this is my CPFC trivia quiz. Um, no particular theme because I didn't want to spend ages and ages choosing a theme like Sam's done in the past. Just 10 random bits of palace trivia. So let's give it a go. Okay, so in what year did Tommy Black sign for Palace? Was it 98, 99, 2000 or 2001? So we got we got three answers from the three people and one person got it right. And it's the guy that wasn't born in 2000. Dead <laughs> <laughs> um, end. So uh, and which one of you went for 98? Me. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, were, you, you were two years out, Mike. Mikey just the one year out, but um, I was correct with the year 2000 there. So, yeah, he signed in the year 2000, uh, stayed until 2007, moving to South End. So, on to question two, gents. Can't wait. What a, what a drop off from Paris to South End. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, not so much those, in those days, was it? So, who was captain for us in the nil-nil draw against Man City on New Year's Eve 2017? All three of the players played the game, but was it Scott Dan, Luka Milivojevic or Jason Punchin? It's it's obviously not the one I've gone for unless it's a trick question. Yes. Oh, outrageous. Because... So, so, DR, the correct answer was what, sorry? Scott Dan. And I base this on because I remember there was a time where Jason Punchin, he got rid of, uh, we got him rid of the captaincy and I remember Scott Dan came in. So I was, it was a guess, but it was like, yeah, I'm winning. I'm drawing. 
I mean, I stupidly went for Luca, and I blatantly it wouldn't be the obvious answer, would it? But I just I had that panic. I thought I couldn't remember if Dan played. Ah, oh, twenty seventeen. Punchin was, I, I believe, was nominally club captain. Obviously, not really playing by then. Scott Dunn had, had taken over, and it was a, a, a little bit before Luca sort of organically took over from him. Ah. So, on to question three. Where did Aki Rihalati sign from in 2001? Was it oh. HJK Helsinki, Valerenga IF, or oh, Jurgarden no. IF? This is no, a trick I don't question. Know. I, don't, I know he's played for at least one. I forgot oh. to answer. Oh. I forgot to answer. I panicked. <laughs> <laughs> I, I promise you, my, my point was hovering over the correct answer, which Mike is what? Uh, it's Valerenga. So he, he signed for us from them, but he did begin and end his career at Helsinki, which is why I put that in there. Yeah, that's the one that melted my brain. I better actually answer the next one. Wait, Mikey, have you got any points? <laughs> 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 Okay, let's get on to question four. Okay. Who is the shortest of these players? Height, obviously. Max Mayer, Yoan Kabai, Jeffrey Schlupp, or Johnny Williams? Oh. <laughs> four different four different people is a harsh man. Yes. Oh, it was Johnny Williams. <laughs> Johnny Esther, the most diminutive at five foot six. Schlupp, I was stunned to find is apparently five foot ten. I find that very hard to believe. Um <sighs> And if I remember off the top of my head, Max Mayer's 5'8", Johan Kabai's 5'9", according to Wikipedia. No way, it's Kabai 5'9". I don't believe any of them, but that is Wikipedia. <laughs> as probably a series of short men trying to feel better about themselves by upping <laughs> their favourite players' heights. Kabai's 5'5". What? Kabai's 5'9", apparently. Oh, 5'9", or I thought you said 5'5". Okay. Okay, on to question five. This is exactly the kind of trivia that you need to know as a Palace fan, isn't it? <laughs> crucial stuff I'm here for revenge after what happened last week I need to yeah, win this you, I mean you're just guessing I know stuff. how it works now like, no, you're just, what are you on about she's just playing percentages it's annoying what are you ah oh, here we go in total how many goals did Dwight Gale score in a Palace shirt excluding friendlies 12 15 19 or 25 I think I had this one in my quiz I shouldn't have said that <laughs> no you absolutely shouldn't <laughs> I believe I believe we've discussed before his his amount of goals in the Premier League. So this is why I looked at total goals excluding friendly. So he scored fifteen in the Premier League, but twenty five overall, which is more than I expected. Yeah, we all went for nineteen. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to go with my instincts from now on. Otherwise, Dr is going to end up winning this, and we'll never live it down. That's crazy. He scored twenty five goals. Yep. Uh, so wow. yeah, ten in the cup competitions. Okay, on to question six. What is Damien Delaney's middle name? Eamon, Dara, Finbar or Garben? As if you know that, Chris. You I absolutely go. did. You see how quick I answered that? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> I know it for some reasons. And I uh, was correct. Finbar it is. I know it because it's not a real name. <laughs> that's, that's, it always struck me as, uh, as odd when I uh, when I saw it. So I actually, in order to get this to sound realistic, I went on to famous traditional men's Irish uh, middle names in order to get the other ones. <laughs> uh, Finbar, very close to Fintins, your favourite brand of uh, low-quality gin and tonic. Exactly. Uh, mm. So, yes, Damien Finbar Delaney. Question seven. How many league games has Gary Cahill been involved in for Palace? 15, 20, 
or 25? Uh, I'm not so confident. <laughs> Please. Me neither. Oh, yes, yes, yes. You are guessing everything, and it's I'm not guessing. Show. I'm not guessing. I'm not guessing. I just wasn't confident. Twenty-five was too much, and I know that Roy would play him if he could. So twenty sounded a bit like realistic, considering his injuries. Fifteen. How many, was too games, low. How many games have we played this year? Twenty-nine. Oh, yeah, darling. he's missed yeah. that many games or so. He he wasn't out for the whole season. What what I didn't look up is is how many of those are. Um, starts um but uh yes 20 20 games uh so for for a free signing damn good work and always go in the middle if there's three choices paid oh and i and i guess he didn't start the season did he took a while for him to get in not really united away so uh question eight <laughs> incoming <coughs> oh i'm choking to death <laughs> <laughs> seems reasonable so, which Belden side did Cecchiarte play over 150 times for before moving oh, to West Ham? Club Bruges, Anderlecht, Standard Liège or Ghent? I've gone for one, but I don't think it's right. Yes. It is right. <laughs> it, it was it was Anderlecht. He played 153 times uh, for Anderlecht, um, which is pretty damn good going. Can we um, well, leave it there as well? Uh, yes. He was Olympia yeah, but... Arcos, wasn't he? No, no, um, he, he he played for Anderlecht as well, I think. Oh, okay. he did. Yeah, yeah, you're right. With the two of them together. Um, just should we have a quick check on the current scores? Because I want to have a chat with Mikey about no. how he's getting on. <laughs> well, so uh, in the bronze medal podium position is Mikey with seven points. Uh, in silver is Hambo with twenty three, and at the moment they are steaming away with gold with thirty two points. If you can see the smile on my face right now. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, the last week. I'm going to say it now, Mike. Mike, you are not allowed to write any more quizzes if DR wins one. <laughs> well, oh, here we go. <laughs> you, you've, got two, you've got two points, two questions to redeem yourself. So let's get to question nine, shall we? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> How tall is... Gareth Southgate. Which part. South Korean club released Jordan Mutz after just eight games in 2019 because he was shit? Guyan Janam, Gangwon, Pohang Steelers, or Seungnam? <laughs> <laughs> yes! Oh, I can't believe the turn has done it again. <laughs> no, 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 I remember it. I have a good memory. It was Guyungnam. No, no, because I know he started with a G, but it was kind of long. So it can't be Gang One because that's too short. So it'd be the long option. So Gang Nam. Annoyingly, as soon as it came up as the right answer, I just remembered all the Gang Nam style jokes. Jordan Much has gone Gang Nam style, but no, too late now. Yes, yeah. Uh, points. I, 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 eight eight games, uh, a solitary goal, and they told him to fuck off. Uh, so now Dr is seventeen points ahead with a, a presumably unassailable lead. Although I have no idea how the point system works. Um, so, on to the very last question for this week's quiz. Um, we'll be back with another enthralling instalment next episode. Come on. This final one, I believe, it's a 50-50 chance. I don't trust this game. <laughs> Which team has seen Mamasako don their shirt more often? Competitive games only, that is. Liverpool or Palace? I think I'm wrong, but I had to press something really quickly to have any hope of getting points. 
No. It, yes. Yeah. It was. And Mikey's uh, got some some pride back at the end there. Yeah. So um, he recently overtook his record of fifty six league games for Liverpool. He's, he's played sixty two league games for us. But in terms of competitive games, he's only played sixty three games for us. I think. I think it was a League Cup game this season, perhaps. I can't remember. Um, but whereas he was he was dumped in various competitions for Liverpool, actually played 80 times. So he hasn't and perhaps won't um, catch that up. So, um, let's get to the, uh, the, the final scores on the doors. Mikey with 15 points at the end of that. Uh, Hambo with 23. And DR with an absolutely huge... More points than both the other two players put together. 40 points. So, <laughs> yes. round of applause for Dion. Yeah, okay, have a round of applause. This is a screen I never wanted to see in my life. <laughs> <laughs> no, I figured it out. I figured it out. Last week, I, I wasn't too sure how this application actually worked because I didn't realise if you answer quickly, you would get more points. But look. Don't, don't be a sore winner. You won. Don't start making excuses no. for defeats last week now. Come on. No, man. no, no. You no, won no. fair and square this time. That's uh, and you lost last week. Okay. Excellent. Thank you very much for that, Tint. Fintons. Mmm. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Well, that went well, didn't it? I was uh, extremely happy to um, to compete in that quiz, and um, guess you're pretty happy to compete in that quiz as well, dear. Yeah, hundred percent. As I've said, the last quiz done me wrong, but Mike, your savior, keep doing the quizzes. And Samantha, no hard feelings. I mean, the quiz was fine, but you, you guys didn't tell me the rules, so I messed up. But I'm happy with this quiz. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Uh, just a couple of things before we do move on, and I've got some um, some general stuff to talk about as well, but I did forget to mention earlier on, first of all, at some point in the near future, if I can possibly make any entertaining content out of it, I'll um, start getting into the fact that I've created an alternate reality in Football Manager 2020 where the back of the nest team have all been created as uh, a, a massive influx of quality youth players plus Nick um, that have gone into the, the Palace youth team. And we're about five seasons, six seasons into simulating the careers of the, the back of the nest team. Um, some fascinating stuff going on at the moment. A rocky early start for you, Dr. Wasn't it? But you've you've uh, you've recovered a little bit now. But let's not put any spoilers. And I'm I'm convinced I can make something entertaining out of it at some point. Um, I also want to mention um, 
just before we get into football, um, I, I'm feeling a little bit like sort of throaty of late and just congested and stuff. I'm pretty, you know, it's not really not a COVID kind of thing, but so I got massively into to ordering spicy curries to kind of clear the clear the sinuses, and I um I progressed up to the level of a fall this week. Has either of you tried a fall? I've I've, I've had a few fouls. Um I, I think they vary enormously between between curry houses um, about their strength. Um, but a- anything that's basically based around uh, naga chili and that kind of creamy chili taste, um, I'm I'm a big fan of. Yeah, I, I couldn't handle it. I mean, I can handle spicy food, but it's just the quantity. You know, if you have a like a really hot hot sauce, you're not drinking a you know a bowl full of it, are you? It's usually adding it to something. It's quite enjoyable, you know, to get that intense heat and takes a while to, to calm down. But having a whole curry at that level, and Chris Clark said beforehand, like he's tried a couple and, and always got to halfway and it starts to become unpleasant. And that was very much my experience of getting to halfway and that being too much. But I did eat it all in in two separate sessions. Um, they are you you into spicy food, right? Um, yeah, a bit, but I'm confused. How so? Has this helped you? I mean, it certainly does clear the the sinuses massively, yeah. Um, but I mean, it does give you other problems if we're honest. <laughs> eating eating insanely spicy food. I mean, you get a lot of a lot of adrenaline as well from from you know having something that that's insanely hot. Yeah, I'll be honest. I don't even know what a foul is. It's the first time I've heard it. So I, I have never had a foul before. I've had plenty of spicy food in my life, of course, but a foul, I'm not too sure. I don't know if it will help you. I, I can't help you out here with that. <laughs> if you had a vin, if you know know what a vindaloo is, yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. So I think if on the top three in general general curries rather than specialities are Madras. Um, he goes, yeah, Madras vindaloo fall as far as the the highest. I'm right in that, Mike. Yeah. Yeah, you you are indeed. I think I, I think sometimes um, I don't know which particular area. Um, of which particular country um, has it, but they, the tradition is Madras is hotter than than Vindaloo. But generally speaking, it's Madras than Vindaloo than Fo, which obviously isn't um, a real dish. I, I, just uh, looking it up now, it was it was started in in Birmingham um, amongst Bangladeshi <laughs> curry houses. Um, but yeah, I mean you, you can even get it in Weatherspoons now. I think I, I think it's a chicken one, but. But I mean, I won't let it go down a road that you don't want us to go down. But, um, hey, if anyone's had any experiences with files, let us know. No, no. <laughs> I absolutely request that nobody writes in about that because all we're going to get all week now is people's stories <laughs> of how they clogged up a toilet after a fall. No one cares. No one gives a fuck. I, I kind of get. Anyway, so um, yeah. Our sponsor is, of course, Pitch Sport Football. Uh, if you Google Pitch Sport Football, download their app, join us on there. Um, they've been uh, simulating games. It says Man United game sim. Is that left over from a previous show? Uh, I believe the Man United game would have been today. So while you're chatting, I will look up their simulation. Yeah, well, they've been they've been simulating the season. Um, Dr. You've you, you in the past. You've been doing fan time questions in the week on there. Obviously on pause at the moment. And um, yeah, if you join us on there, you want to add me uh, in the friends section. My code is KUGKUT. Uh, all the social. I've got what. <laughs> I've got a result after. Really? It's all, yeah, it's not good. Well. Yeah, it's, it's a two-one, two-one home defeat. Um, so I'm not not particularly impressed with. Um, apparently, we managed five shots on target. They managed <laughs> twenty-one. Sixty-one um, percent possessions. 
And uh, and United a shot accuracy of seventy six percent. I find that very hard to believe. Come on now, <laughs> come on. Yeah, we might have to have a word with them to sort this out. Yeah, well, I don't think we've earned a single point yet, have we? From we think <laughs> Burnley, Burnley two one. That was it, I think. It's, it's FIFA. It's FIFA. It's a horrendous game. They're using the content from FIFA, so I mean, football manager's more reliable. I think they use football manager as well, but it's just it's just a FIFA aspect. Ah, oh, just that game. Don't get me started on it. <laughs> all right, all right. Look, if you want to get in touch with us, you can still WhatsApp voice message us on o two o three five seven five one two six six, and just on the, all the socials that's Instagram, Twitter, F, Facebook. We called it FB there. Uh, Facebook, YouTube, which I'll come back to Dr in a second, and um, you can get in touch with us there. Just search for Back of the Nest, and you'll find us on all of those. Email is hi at backofthenest dot com, and don't forget to review us on iTunes. Chuck us five stars, right wherever you want, um, but help spread the word of the show. Uh, still getting plenty of attention throughout this COVID crisis, and I hope we're helping in some small way. Of course, Dr, you've been doing video. You've gone back to some videos on YouTube. Yeah, released two videos last week. Um, it was a bit of like a test run and uh, just talking about a palace, talking about wealth, talking about Roy Hodgson. Um, but yeah, you can go check out Back of the Nest. It was good. It was me, Nick and James. We were just talking about palace and it was, you know, different content. You can see us talking, which I don't know if you want to see, but if you're interested, you could go check us out. Yeah, mixed feelings on it. Your beard's coming along quite nicely, though. No, I don't like it. I honestly look, I, I look homeless whilst at home. It makes no sense. But yeah. Anyway, for the Mike's sanity, let's crack on with some football chat. So first up, team of the decade. We've been working through this for a number of weeks now. Uh, people have been starting to get a little tense over it. And um, uh, yeah, we're actually just down to the last vote this coming week. But the vote that's just gone was, of course, between... Uh, it was Darren Ambrose versus uh, Jason Punchin, wasn't it? Yep. So uh, it was Darren Ambrose that won out, and just some, some consternation came through. Uh, the first person that gave us some grief on that was Terence in the back of the nest chat, saying that um, I won't give these exact words because you know because you know these are private conversations. But he suggested that should we say that people are voting more with heart than head. In that man, that matter. So I, I got to ask Dior first of all. You know, we talked last week about the, the, you know, the two players. What do you think now? The result has come through for Ambrose. It's interesting um, because I, I'm pretty sure we'll talk about it later on the show. But I, I, I didn't quite. I wasn't quite too sure on it at first because I feel like you saw Ambrose. Um, he actually tweeted us. Um, he said that he would love to play in this team. And it was actually a tight race until... I don't, I, I don't really understand it until Ambrose got ahead. But it's a bit of a weird one, ain't it? Because we talked about last week, Darren Ambrose, he played in a different level to what Jason Punchin played in. And also, me personally, I saw the goods and bads of Jason Punchin and sometimes the good does get ignored because that happened at the start of his Palace career and as it went on it became a bit more toxic so I feel like lots of different uh, perspectives and lots of different points um, were considered here and I feel like Jason Punchin he kind of the bad side of him kind of overtook people's decisions I think when voting Mike your reaction to, to Ambrose winning that one I mean I, I voted Ambrose um, a similar amount of games between them I would have thought um Punch and yeah, I mean it, 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 exactly what they are said. There, there's some some great memories, but um, 
in terms of consistency, it, it went downhill. I think I think Terence might be right. I, you know, some of the stories about his personal life taint him a little bit for me. Um, and I know this is meant to be the best players rather than your favourite players. Um, but I feel like if what Darren Ambrose did, for example, um, you know, he was in the um, he was in the Survival Sunday team. We will touch on shortly. Um, I feel like if, if what he did was more recent in people's memories, I feel he actually would have won by more personally. Yeah, it was Matt Fleming got in touch on Twitter about this and said he's really enjoyed it. It's been been great fun, but it is definitely a heart-ruling head team selection. But added, and why not at the end? And that's kind of where I am on it. It's yeah, Obviously, it's a bit of fun. It doesn't necessarily mean mean too much. But you know, when I've looked at the, the players that have faced off against each other, first of all, you know, it's come from a selection that, that people have all voted for in some form or another. And, and obviously those that got the most votes were the most prominent, the most likely to get in when they when they had the face-off against the next most votes. So, um, And I think it, it always went with, as you would expect, the, the majority vote from the original vote, if you like. Um, so there were no real surprises that came through, I don't think. But, you know, I, if you look at the, the bench, if you like, the people that didn't make it, so you've got Guaita, uh, Pap Suare, Mama Sacco, James Tompkins, Aaron Wambasaka, Luka Milivojevic, Andros Townsend, Jason Punchin and Christian Benteco. Not a bad side, is it? You know, And I honestly think you could possibly you know, switch almost any number of those out um, and, and still have a, have a justifiably good squad. But for me, I think you know, Ambrose was just that good. I think the problem you have, if you're ever going to, you know, when you're comparing like for like, is just the level of, you know, for... You know the circumstances were that you know Darren Ambrose didn't get to play at his peak for Crystal Palace in the Premier League, and as he said himself, imagine playing him playing in that team and how he might get on. The funny thing about this is looking at the team that wasn't included, the names that you mentioned. That team would probably be the actual team, the team of the decade, because <laughs> <laughs> you got Wan Bissaka, you could stop Wilf. That's the biggest threat there, and then attacking. I don't know. It depends what Benteke you have, but that's a, that's a solid team. That's a solid team. I think I honestly think the team that's not included would beat the actual team of the decade, which is weird. <laughs> I don't necessarily. I know exactly what you mean. I mean, it doesn't have. It won't have Belasio Zaha in it, um, so it won't have you know that that sort of explosion of creativity and pace that way. But it does have uh, Townsend. It does have Punchin in there. So um, yeah, I mean, you'd have Papa Suave dealing with the switchover between Belasio and Zaha. I, I feel. <laughs> I feel like they might. I might penetrate through that summer. But then you've got yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Our possibly most successful centre-back pairing in the Premier League, um, mm. at, you know, at their peak, Sacco and Tompkins is somehow reserves to, to Scott Dan and Damien Delaney. No disrespect to either, but, you know, makes you think, doesn't it? Mm, yeah. So anyway, um, the next vote, the final position, the final centre-midfield position is between... Um, Mila Jedanek and James MacArthur. So check out our socials, get your votes in. Uh, early thoughts on that before the votes are in. Mike, start with you. That's that's tough, isn't it? Um, I, th- I think up until a couple of seasons ago, I would have gone um, Jedanek without a second thought. But um, it's got to the point now where James MacArthur is, is one of the, certainly in my lifetime as a Palace fan, one of the Palace servants. Um, and he's not going anywhere yet. So... He's reinvented himself so many times. He's played in every position. He played left back this season, didn't he? So, I mean, um, it'd be hard to vote against Jimmy Mack. 
would I would go for um I'll go for Mille just because I want Mac, uh, MacArthur and other team because I feel like the other team has a better opportunity. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I, it, that is a tight one. That is a very tight one because you don't. I don't think people realize, it, but James MacArthur has actually played a lot of game for us. I haven't got the exact figures, but I think it's near the two hundred mark. I think I saw the other day, which is crazy thinking about it because it doesn't feel like it. And on a team, you'd rather have. James McArthur nowadays then Mila Yedinak and plus you have you have McArthur and Kobay next to each other that is a brilliant pairing I mean McArthur can do the, all the hard work in midfield and young Kobay can pull the strings <laughs> you ain't going to go past that yeah it's an interesting one isn't it when you start thinking about as well if, you, if you're looking for the third central midfield player to drop back and it's Darren Ambrose that's that might swing it towards Jedinak for me because um, he's just that bit more of a you know, he's just going to stay where he is, basically, isn't he? And break up play, and um, and and Daz is always not not always going to tackle back, is he? So, but you know, it's a difficult one. I haven't made my mind up yet, um, and I've got some some views on Jednak, which we'll we'll get to in a little bit. But um, over back back to you, Mike. Go on. I just want to quote um, the Australian um, F- Football Federation when they uh, when they said that Milo Jednak doesn't get wet; uh, the water just gets Milo Jednak. Let's not let's not forget that. <laughs> absolutely right so there you go get your votes in and we'll see how that team finishes next week and um we'll put it out there for everyone's critique and then once everyone's finished blaming us for picking the wrong team we'll point out that it was everyone else that picked it not us so always fun when that happens so i think mike it's now time for us to continue a little bit of what happened on the preview show this week hopefully you've listened to it if not please do it's well worth your time and um they started a discussion this week on who their most overrate, overrated Palace player was. Um, and I've got to start by sort of giving Albert some grief. On no, just, you wouldn't be happy. No, you would not be happy. No, no, absolutely not. So he picked Johnny Williams. And I think overrated is a horrible word to describe Johnny Williams. I think um, unfulfilled potential is a fantastic way of describing him um, and it's through no fault of his own Terence tried to defend quite valiantly but Albert was just having none of it was he He's just not not a rate of course said he always sideways passed oh dear oh dear oh dear you know um, I, I found it upsetting I'll be honest and the, he also disrespected the Johnny Esther nickname oh I, I don't know. I don't know. For me, I think he's. Uh, I don't think he comes under uh, overrated um, at all. I think once the injuries had take, taken their toll, perhaps when people were clamouring for him to be involved, maybe you could argue it there. If I'm being as kind as humanly possible, what did you think about it, Mike? Uh, I thought it was brave of him to go with that, but um, hey, yeah, I quite like it. If if somebody wants to be wants to be brave and say something like that. Um, I kind of see in in the respect that I think certainly I had um, thoughts that he would just be another level by now, and and it's not it's not happened. I, I think that's more what he meant. I think the sentimentality came from our initial expectations of him, and and they weren't met. But um, it's hard to distinguish between that and the fact that he's clearly quite the uh, quite the lovable man. Yeah, I guess so. That's Johnny Esther, not not Albert. Not Albert, no, definitely, definitely not Albert. And um, I also, I'll let you have your say on that in a sec, Dio. I also can't let it lie without giving Hesketh a bit of grief on Moritz as well. Um, he's, he was class. Okay, one season with us, 
and you know you could argue the achievements weren't massive um but he was he was key for us in that season wasn't he and um i don't think anyone overrated him i, I do think there's a little bit of truth in the fact that he was a you know he was brazilian and if his name was you know Andrew Morrison. I've picked out Andrew Morrison, the one of the worst loans we've ever had from Man City. But um but if his name he had an English name, people probably wouldn't have considered him so good a player. But he had some class about him. Um thoughts on those, dear? So yeah, the the Moretz thing, it makes sense because it's still like that in um in terms of no, not it's not it's like that in Turkey, but not for Palace, of course, because we've grown out of that, I think. But it does make sense. Like, he's got that name. It's like, oh, Moretz, is, Moretz has joined Palace. Oh, Moretz is on the ball. Oh, he's going to do something. Like, it just makes you excited. And also, quickly, let me go back to MacArthur. He played 188 games for Palace and uh, not 200. So, correction on that. But what does Johnny Esso think? I think Albert made total sense in the terms of we haven't... We was talking about him and what he could be and was hyping him up based on... Based on what? I mean, he picked up so many injuries. I know he there wasn't enough data there to for us to rate him as he did, but I wouldn't still say he's my overrated, uh, most overrated Palace player of all time. But it made sense what Albert was saying. My um my overrated player thing is going to be quite horrific, so I'm going to leave myself till last. So, Dio, why don't you come in and tell us who your most overrated player is? This is hard. I'm like, I was listening to, I was listening to Preview Pod as well, and I was a bit like Terence. It's trying to think of overrated when we don't really rate anyone. It's just, it's just weird in itself. But uh, there's two players who, um, well, I'm gonna say one player. I'm not gonna mention the other player because I don't want to um, cause controversy. But I think Jason Punchin. It's a bit of a weird one, but hear me out. So when he first joined Palace, everything was nice. I mean, he was performing and he was not overrated by any means. But the reason why he got overrated was because when he wasn't performing, we were still singing he's one of our own and was basing, it seemed like we was basing him playing on him being one of our own rather than actual talent because there was a time where he was so inconsistent and he shouldn't even be in the side. And yet people still wanted him to play and we're still singing he's one of our own because the fact that he's he's local to the area. And that's why I would say he was overrated because it seemed like we overrated him even at times when he wasn't performing just for the fact that he was a Croydon boy. And Yeah, I remember, I I remember you getting annoyed yeah. about that chant, you know, back when it was being sung, to be honest. So I'm not overly surprised. And I, and I, think, I think there is some truth towards the end that he was perhaps thought of better than he was. But I think there's an equal amount of people who thought he was worse than he was as well. Uh, you can you can debate that. I mean, as I said, when he first joined Palace, he was, he was massive in terms of he did produce us massive moments and massive results and he was a vital player and staying up. But then they reached a stage where we treated him as if he was still that same player when he wasn't. And as I said, the chance based on the chance, it seemed like it was because more of where he's from rather than his actual football talents. But that's why I would say he's overrated. I mean, some people will disagree with me. Patrick definitely will. And I know he was going to message me after this. But yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll pick him as my overrated if I had to pick one, even though it's very hard. Any reaction to that, Mike? Are you going to crack on with your own? You know what? When they were talking on the um, <clears throat> on the preview pod, I was thinking my, my gut reaction is Jason Punchin. Um, not because he wasn't good, but because he is so, like, at terms just let to his defence. 
Um, and I think you're probably right. I, I maybe underrate him, um, and I should have another think about that. That's why I wasn't going to touch him. Um, I was thinking about older players, but I also think age colours your reaction. Um, so I was I was a little kid, and all of my friends went on about how amazing Tommy Black was, and I could never ever see it. Um, but I think I was probably too young to go to, to really know um, whether that was true or not. So I'd have to watch back some more um, Tommy Black footage. I'm going to go for Chungy because. I don't understand how that man had a career with Palace lasting as long as he did. Chung Young Lee was not a good footballer. Um, and he, he was had a lovable rogue thing and he scored that one goal, which is literally, I think, the only goal he scored. And other than that, he was bang average. And probably that's being very kind to him. I don't understand how he managed to stay around the team so long. I don't understand why everyone kept giving him chances. Um and I looked at his stats earlier when I was thinking about it because he's a legend at Bolton as well. His stats at Bolton are crap. Um, he played over 150 games and he scored an absolute handful of goals. Um, he's at Bochum now in Germany. His stats there are crap as well. Um, I just don't understand the man and I don't see the point of Chung Young Lee. <laughs> so he was incredibly famous um, for Korea, wasn't he? He was like the Korean Beckham at one stage. Well, I mean, um, that's ridiculous. Because... I'm going to but look I, at his South Korean stats while you're talking. All right, but he was—we um, signed him with a broken back or broken or a broken bone in his neck or something like that. Something so ridiculous that you just think it was one of the most odd signings I think we've ever made. I think we we signed him with a lot of hope, and you know he was a relatively important player for Bolton, and you know he was he had a good reputation. But I think it's a good shout because yeah, he was nothing but poor for us. Even you know when he did score against Stoke and. It was a wonderful goal you know, at, at an absolutely critical time, and played a you know huge part in that season for us. But he did, he did nothing else, and he was um, he was awful. You, but you have to be rated to be overrated. Was Changi ever rated? <laughs> well, I think that, 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 <laughs> that, that, that was my counter argument. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a great point. Um, but, yeah, no, you're right. He's played 89 times for South Korea, and he's only netted nine times. And I mean, they must play some proper proper minnows. So this. Like, possibly, but I mean, we just kept giving him chances. So at the very least, he was overrated by the managers. And, you know, how would he ever, how would he ever be the front of a programme or something? You just think he's such a non-entity of a footballer. Um, yeah. And also, Hambo, you're odd. Are you sure he's one of the most odd signings as well? I mean, you're forgetting the the season where we got promoted and we basically bought a whole, whole team, including Jimmy Kebe, including... Uh, Morant, like yeah, yeah, so many weird signings. <laughs> but I, yeah, we we've signed a lot of players like bad, made bad signings. But in terms of what what Chungi brought us, I think you know to to push the boat out on a player that is joining you with a serious injury, you know you've got to really, really, really be convinced that the guy is going to do something when he's fit, and. There didn't really seem to be evidence of that before he joined us. And after he joined us, I don't think it really did pan out. Or well, it didn't pan out, did it? I accept the argument that maybe he wasn't rated in the first place. But, um, you know, I'm, try- I'm trying to read up read up now but um, see if there's any detail about the injury he had. But I can't see it. Off the, you know. just don't, don't even waste your time on the man. Look, we've spoken <laughs> about him enough. Um, I just, uh, just want to go back to Jimmy Kebe because um, mm. I'm, I'm, I apologise to the person that tweeted this. Um, but there's somebody that tweeted to show that um, somebody on Depop, the uh, the second-hand um, vintage sort of clothes 
app um, was trying to sell a pair of signed boots signed by PDA for the princely sum of £9,999. And they then, <laughs> they then had the cheek of trying to charge £5 delivery on top of that. So um, I went onto eBay to have a look at um, some of the, 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 the cheaper boots, signed boots that you can get. You can get a pair of Jimmy Kebe boots um, signed Palatira for £39.99 or best offer. Um, and the boots look like they're worth more than that. So presumably, Jimmy Kebe's signature has actually taken the value of these brand new boots down. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Absolutely right. Absolutely right, it did. That is fantastic. It, it was Terence as well. It was Terence. He was the one that tweeted it. And he's got, there's one of Dougie running, he said he's a picture of Dougie running towards Bolton's um, defence. And there's another one of Ian Wright for a um, sign, apparently for twenty nine I'm not too sure if that's... But yeah, it's Terence. He's been tweeting them out. He's got a little thread. So go check him out, Red and Blue Army, if you haven't already. Uh, yeah. And he obviously talked about a few things on the preview show this week, but um, in, in a similar vein. But I'll let you listen to that if you haven't done so already. So we're on to mine, okay? So, oh dear. Right. I, I, I had a difficult choice, okay? So I'm going to give you some, some, some of my instinctive choices before I tell you who I went for in the end. Um, so instinctively, I saw Jose Campagna's name in that, and I thought, well, yeah, he was hugely overrated in terms of what he delivered for us. But when you go and have a look at his career now, he actually has come good and proven that there was real quality there. It was just either the wrong time in his career or the wrong club for him when we signed him. So I've kind of cast that one away and said, you know, he... He was massively overrated by the Palace support, probably myself included, because we got excited. It was a, you know, the Spain under twenty one yes. captain, you know. <laughs> didn't we? Didn't we do? We got excited. And and it, it reminds me of the Moretz theory. I feel like look, Jose Campagna was another one of that. It was a bit of a, like a foreign signing. You had a bit of Jose in there, Campagna. Oh, he might be able to yeah. play, be a good midfielder. And I feel like that's why we rate him so much. I remember he. I, the only memory I, ha- I have of him is him taking a corner. I was—I don't know why I was sitting on a white horse stand, and he was taking a corner right hand stand. That's the only memory I have of Jose Campagna at Palace. But anyway, I, I didn't go for Jose Campagna. He was just worth a mention. So next up, uh, and this only sort of comes true for a few. But I just want to get get a reaction from you. Another one I considered was Stuart O'Keefe. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, I don't. This comes just, under the category of a lot of people didn't actually rate him massively, and that he also had some good games for us. But there was a percentage of people, and they still hold a candle for him today, that he was brilliant for us and a brilliant footballer, and they deserve more game time. I, I I just think there's something there's like there's certain players that you just automatically like, like um, uh, Jordan Ayew, for example, currently. Um, or a certain balding Moroccan, um, but it doesn't mean that people 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 love him so much. I think they just you know got fond memories of Stuart O'Keefe, which is which is what how I think. You know what it is? I think I think it's due to the fact that well he's done other things for Palace, but I think it's due to the fact that he actually contributed to, to our first Premier League win in terms of Sunderland at home. Um, that goal where he just top bins and I think that memory has been in people's heads ever since because it's our first Premier League victory since getting promoted so I feel like that influenced it in a way but I'm not too sure if it's 
over Joseph Campagna? I don't know. I don't I just know. Think, I just think for me, he was, in terms of ability, effort was always brilliant, which is why people loved him. But in terms of ability, he was lower end championship at his absolute peak. Um, and I think his career afterwards has gone on to reflect that, if I'm being brutal about it. But I didn't go for Stuart O'Keefe either. So it was between two. And one of them we've talked about already. I think I know who it is. This Can is going to be the one I'm going to pick. I'm, I, I, I don't think it's going to be quite as contentious as the one who came close. The one who came close, Mila Jedinak. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I had a feeling. I had a feeling that was coming because when we said Mila Jedinak, when, when talking about him, you did give a little spoiler. I had a feeling you was going to mention him. Thing is, it's like when you think about most overrated, I started to think about the the greatest distance between how people talk about him and that actual ability. So and the reason I haven't chosen him full stop is because he was so good for us and so important for us and such a great leader. But I do think, especially now when people are looking back, they they have him down as a far better footballer than he was because he, he wasn't a great footballer. He was a great leader. He was a great presence and he was decent at a low level in the Premier League, again, at his peak. But people just have completely got rid of the, all the moans and complaints that they had of him when he couldn't keep possession, he couldn't, um, you know, couldn't make a, a, a decent pass. And, you know, but he was just such an iconic player. And, I, and rightly so, that all gets forgotten about because he is a Palace icon and that's why I didn't pick him in the end. But he has to come in with a with an honourable mention or a dishonourable mention, if you like, in terms of how I think people did over, and currently do overrate him in terms of his footballing ability. Uh, you know what it is? I think... I understand where you're coming from, but I feel like the reason why people rate him is because after Mille, who's come into that leadership role? Like, who has been that leader for Palace? I mean, I don't think we have got one. You can say Luca, but you can't... I'm sorry, but you can't compare... In, if you're talking about leadership, you can't compare what Mille done for us during the hard times compared to what Luca's done. Luca joined a pretty solid team under Allardyce, but Mille didn't have that privileges, and I think that's why people rate him. Not for his footballing abilities, but I, don't, I wouldn't call him overrated because at the time, he did do the job and his leadership skills were important. But now, of course, as I've said last week on the show, we've moved to a different phase of football where you don't need that lead, leadership skills. So I don't know if you could say him as overrated. I, I, I'm not too sure. I was going to say I'm not touching this with a barge pole, but I feel that kind of proves Hambo's point in a way. Uh, maybe you should just get to the. Maybe you should get to the one you've chosen. Yeah, I, I will do. I will do. I'll, I'll just. I'll just say one thing. If you think about in terms of overrated immunity, like, there are a lot of people who would put him in the side now, and I just think that that's okay. inherently wrong in terms right. of. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. No. Um, I do want to quickly mention that producer Mike. I don't know if he wants to say anything about this, but he has gone for Damien Delaney as his most overrated player. <laughs> wow. Mm. Mm. How do we feel about that? <laughs> yeah, there's there's something wrong with Mikey, but that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> so I, I, don't, say, I, I, don't, I wouldn't say overrated. I wouldn't say Demo's overrated. I feel like people are forgetting the plays in the past because of what we have right now. I like at the time Demo did put in a solid shift. I don't. I wouldn't say he was overrated. I think um, I think it's a similar argument I just made for Yednak for for Delaney. Yeah, in, in a number of ways. But what I would add to Delaney is he was he was easily 
the most surprisingly good player in the Premier League that we, I've ever seen. So I'd add that to him as well. Yeah. So look, the player I chose was Johnny Parr. Whoa. So Johnny Parr came in. Hey. I don't think it's that controversial, really, but I, I think he he was almost a phenomenon when he when he when he joined us. But I just all, I look back at it now, and in my view, all it was is he was physically fitter than anyone else in our squad, and he played a full season near enough a full season in in Norway. Um, I think he came in and replaced Dean Moxie, who was not having a great time of things, if I'm thinking right. I don't know if it was Dean in there at the time. I think so. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he, he ended up with player of the season after playing half a season. And in my, and then you see you think about how he went on after that. He, he just declined and there was never, ever a recovery. He just got worse and worse and worse and then dropped out and went to Ipswich and then I think back to Norway in the end. Um, but... You know, when we signed him, he looked like this two-footed wonder player, and I just don't—I don't think he ever got any better than his first game for us. And then it just was a slow, gradual decline over a period of time. And to get Player of the Season that year, I just thought was ridiculous in the end because, you know, perhaps I, perhaps time has passed and I've forgotten how much of an impact he had. But for me, it was just a, a very very odd thing. And um, I think in terms of ability, he got he got sort of found out pretty quickly. Um, thoughts? Uh, I mean, it, it, was a, it was a it was a free free transfer, wasn't he? Um, it was, yeah, I I don't know. I don't feel like he, he was overrated because I feel like you, everyone knew what what they what they got with him. The, 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 the penalty the the penalty miss sticks in my head, and I still blame him for that. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I, I don't. I, I think it's probably similar similar argument to to DR's against me choosing Changi. It's uh, perhaps they're not. Perhaps we're shooting too low in a bid to not offend anyone. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think it's. Ra- I, I'll just keep it simple. I don't think he's rated. It was rated that much for him to be overrated, just like Changi. I I just think you had. I just thought. I just think he was. You know, he, he to me he was massively overrated, just proven by. How well he was thought of in his first half a season. I think you know we got massively overexcited about it. But it's interesting to go back to those days where we were so overexcited about signing a you know a, a player from Norway who no one had heard of before before he signed for us. Um, racket. You had a racket. I think the weirdest thing was well, I think for the first 10, 15 games wherever he played, um, people didn't realise he was right footed, <laughs> and it was sort of a sudden it's like, oh hold on, you know he's. He's got a right foot, but um, there you go. Um, so that's, that's it. That's that's what I had. So I've kind of I went went for the big guns early on, and I feel there's a bit of a bit of a letdown on the actual choice that I made there. But um, you, you should have kept with Millet. I think that would have been a more appropriate overrated because he is, as you said today, he's still rated. So your point would have made more sense. I feel like you are that yourself. <laughs> you know, thanks. Don't worry, dear. Thanks. Well, um, <laughs> let's just go for another selection. It's time for DR's favourite ever Palace eleven. Yeah, I mean, picking up all time eleven is a bit hard because I was just thinking about it the other day. I'm only twenty years old, and we've been in the Premier League since I was thirteen, so it's a bit of a hard one. I picked this. I don't know. I feel like, yeah, it, this is my favourite all time eleven. Um, but it's it's a bit of a weird one because it's debatable. I could easily put other players there, but one um, first and foremost, Jules in goal. There's no debate for that. The guy's a legend on and off the pitch. We've said this many times. I'll keep it simple. You don't need to. I don't need to waffle on about Jules. He's a legend. 
Joe Wood, right back. Yeah, what choice do I'll, you have? Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could have easily included Wan-Bissaka, but then I'll be lying. How can he be my favourite when he's been here for like two days and he just left? So, Joe Ward at right back. Um, done. Had some good moments um, in a pass that can get ignored even by the likes of me. Um, still, of course, not the player he was before. Mamadou Sako. The reason why I like this guy is because he is a weird thing, but... He's so good, but he is so... I don't know if he's lucky, but he, he stops my heart every time he's on a ball because of the passes he makes. The man is ridiculous and he brings enjoyment in a weird way for me watching Palace. Another one was Damo, Damien Delaney. The reason why he's in my favourite is because this guy, even when we got promoted to the Premier League, he was still... He wasn't out of place. I mean, he was still in that squad and he didn't look like a championship player playing in the Premier League until, of course, age caught up to him. So it's an interesting one. What if Damo was a bit more younger? Let's say we got promoted a, a year or two before. What would have happened? Would he have got more recognition in the Premier League? I'm not too sure. And left-back, is it's, it's a hard one as well because we don't have any decent left-backs to my memory. So I'm just going to have to go with PVA. I'm going to keep it simple because I'm not too sure who else I can pick. Of course, Moxie, Parr, but... For me, I'll just go PVA because of what he does on Twitter. <laughs> and then... <laughs> yeah, Andy is probably the best left back you've seen in a past exactly. as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah which, which is a bit scary. And then um, <laughs> then there's Mila Yedinak in my midfield. Um, the reason why I'm Overrated, going to get that, mate. Overrated. No, overrated. Yeah, you're saying overrated. But as I said, at the time, he was the guy and he'd done his role to the best of abilities. He wasn't a brilliant footballer, but the leadership skills and everything, as much as we overvalue them now, back in the day, it was important and he delivered it when it was needed. And my other midfielder, Darren Ambrose. We'll talk about survival 2010, but it's not only that, he delivered some big goals. When this guy scored, it was it was bangers. And there's some very, very good moments of Darren Ambrose at Palace scoring goals. He came up big when it was needed. Another midfielder, Johan Kabai. It's a bit of a weird one. I could have went with a whole different option, but just watching him at Palace and watching how, especially when we had Ruben off the cheek at the side, how he just controlled the play and how he saw the passes. It just he made it look easy. Of course, we didn't have the PSG or Prime Newcastle Johan Kabai, but he was still a half decent Johan Kabai, and I actually very enjoyed watching him play at Palace. And my front three, keep it simple: Wilf, Yannick, and Glenn Murray, and. Wilf, I don't even have to explain it, do I? I mean, he's a Palace legend. Yeah. Yannick Bolassi, bit of a weird one because I've criticised him in the past as well. But in the championship days, Wilf, Yannick and Glenn just going as a front three. It was it was, it was, was just lovely to watch. Like, it brings a smile to my face. I was just thinking about it. It was like, forget about tactics. It was just, we, you have Wilf doing skills, Yannick doing skills and Mario just putting it in the goal. So that's my all-time favourite eleven for them reasons. That's really good. In a way, I'm slightly, you know, it's it's tough because you've got a fewer players to choose from. But in a way, it kind of I'm a little bit jealous because it gave you that bit of bit of focus. And you're right, that front three was so enjoyable to watch. And you have picked a lot of players that were great to watch. And I think, you know, when the rest of us have picked our our teams, I'm, I might be wrong. I can't remember necessarily remember yours, Mike. You might correct me, but. I think Kabai is one that nobody has picked. And in terms of ability, probably 
deserves a place in there. You know, I went for for Jeff Thomas and Andy Gray from the, the sort of 90s period where, you know, we finished third in the league. We had an FA Cup final. We, you know, they were just sensational players and played as a as a brilliant pair. But in terms of sheer talent and ability and class, you know, Kabai was a, was wonderful to watch. Um, I, I didn't bother with class on my team. I went with Ben Watson. So <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You had some kind of breakdown, didn't you? I <laughs> any any comments on Dr's selection, Michael? Should we crack on? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I that's really solid. Again, I, I I sort of Damo is the only one I'd maybe wouldn't wouldn't agree with. Yeah. Who would you put? Yeah, Mikey didn't agree with that for some reason as well. Yeah, well, Mikey, let's ignore Mikey here because, as I said, we could have a whole pod about Mikey. Why didn't you? Um, why didn't you think Damo shouldn't be there? I, I mean, I, I think genuinely that we've got the best um, central defenders now at the club that we've had in in my memory of Palace, and 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 arguably three of them, four of them, are are, are amazing. Um, so you know. Pro- so I, I would be happy with 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 any combination that we got now. To, you know, to, to Tompkins, Sacco, Cahill, uh, definitely uh, as good as, as as anything we've had. So I mean, I know I went with Tony Popovich in my team just because this is about my favourite players. But um, in terms of the Premier League era, I, I don't I, I don't think we can compare the ones we had in the early Premier League era to what we've got now. So you're yeah, telling. You didn't you didn't enjoy watching Damo hoof the ball up constantly and everyone screaming, stop doing that with his sweet left foot in a Premier no, League era. I think I enjoyed, I enjoyed his post uh, match comments mostly, I think. <laughs> I think you're right though, Dio. It is and it's a good correction that we are talking favourite and you know, there was a lot of fun to be had um with Damo as a palace player, so I get that as well. Um so and I I've talked about it before, but you know, the game against Chelsea where he just destroyed Diego Costa was one of the best things I've ever seen on a football pitch ever. So completely understand that. Anyway, Mike, take us through Survival Sunday. Yeah, so um it was it was obviously the, the tenth anniversary um recently. I mean we've we've talked about it before. You can watch it. there's a there's a decent uh, video package on, online. Um I was just gonna uh, point people to um, if it's still on YouTube. There was um, there's a lovely documentary that was narrated by uh, Kevin Day of a certain other parish um, that that covers it uh, and you know asked Clint Hill about exactly what went through his head just after the game finished. Um, we, if you want to go back and, and hear us talk about it, we did um, we did some pods called the Palace Years, um, which we did last summer in between in between seasons, and we just went through. Um, every year from from 2009-10 season onwards, um, so we, we covered that in detail. And I think perhaps probably best that we we retweet um, that particular episode. So I'll do that after after this show comes out. Yeah, sure. I mean, obviously it was nice. I mean, the Palace are putting on a few games in full on their on their app and on the website. Um, so obviously check those out. And revisiting Survival Sunday did bring it all back. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, I've got so, slightly bittersweet memories in the fact I couldn't get a ticket for it, and um, I, I found that quite hard to deal with. And I had to, I had to watch it on, on TV. But just the intensity of feeling, and when you go back and you look at the team we had, um, and just what they achieved, it was just unbelievable. And you know, for in one match to be that close to to oblivion and to sort of win it through and it's just so you just think back I mean obviously the 
post-match fight was amazing. Um, just that, that's one of the funniest and most worrying things I've ever seen. It, did, it got some attention, but nowhere near the attention it should have got. But a huge, you know, you're talking to probably a few hundred Sheffield Wednesday fans trying to fight the Palace team. Um, you know, that that really should have got some serious sanctions on Sheffield Wednesday, in my view. But that aside, you know, obviously Clint Hill, all those players are, are, are heroes. But, you know, Clint Hill was iconic from that. Um, and, yeah, you know, some, some amazing contributions from I mean, Sean Scannell, probably his final great contribution in a Palace shirt. You know, so fitting that Ambrose got that goal. Phenomenal performance from Alan Lee as well. And, you know, there's some, some heartbreaking moments in there. And I think that final scream from Paddy McCarthy is he can't, can't quite believe the ref didn't let the corner get taken. Um, brilliant stuff. But there we go. As Mike says, he'll tweet out um, um, the episode we did on the Palace years. We'll get into much more detail on that. And there's also, I think, an interview uh, that Chris Grierson has done with Clint Hill as well, reliving some of those moments that's just gone gone out on the Palace app at the time of recording. So check those out as well. If you do want to dig through our back catalogue, we did speak to Clint Hill as well in some depth um, about his career at Palace and, in, and, and indeed that incident. He was very candid about it. Um, and, and a great laugh, if I remember rightly. We had a good laugh about um, when, he, when he signed from Stoke. Um, we'd just seen him play against us and, and Andy Johnson outpaced him with a 15-yard head start. Um, and we wondered what the hell we'd signed and he, he found that all quite amusing. So, um, yeah, do check that out as well. Go through the old back catalogue. Um, so next up, we'll just do a little update. It was spoken about on the preview show. A lot of you listening to this would have seen it on our socials about the fact, uh, we're calling it Lettergate, um, about the fact we received, uh, disappointingly, I have to say, received a, a letter from a solicitor um, representing another Palace organisation, fans organisation. Uh, I'm not going to name them at all um, because it's just not appropriate to do so uh, for a number of reasons. But, you know, lots of people have got in contact to point out that it wasn't us, it wasn't them on, on Twitter. And, you know, we have... The, the Palace sort of fan group community in, in the main is very supportive of each other. We all, we all talk to each other at different times. And if there's ever a, a time where, you know, one has done something that the other's not sure about, you know, we always have a, good, a nice chat about it and and things get resolved. So it's a really good community to be part of. And, you know, we've been doing this, it'll be, you know, nine and a bit years now. Uh, and lots of others have been around various different times as well. So, you know, we, it's something that we're passionate about and we love doing. And, and to get something like that is obviously ridiculous and very disappointing. So in full disclosure, what happened was uh, uh, our Instagram account, which is, you know, we've got various people who run, do bits and pieces on different accounts. It's very difficult to keep track of it all. And Instagram is probably our least used account at the moment. We're trying to ramp it up. But in fairness, especially those at the uh, the sort of the more senior end of uh, back of the nest, don't really pay a huge amount of attention to it. Um, and unfortunately, we missed a couple of DMs alerting us to to the fact that this organ- other palace organisation was annoyed. Um, and rather than you know, and I'll, I'll be blunt about this, the you know the people running that have you know the, well they they have my personal contact details they have Mikey's personal contact details at any point they could have got in touch with us and, and flagged our, flagged it up to us and we would have dealt with it but to someone to go that far for three tweet sorry instagram posts containing memes to start talking about infringement of copyright to start talking about having to take websites down and things like that i thought was was absolutely disgusting and um 
and I, I'm deeply disappointed about it. And I know people are desperate to know who it was, and lots of people have been in touch. I don't know if you've got some comments on that, Mike. Yeah, I mean, I just want to say before that, obviously, um, it's it's a it's a it's a gig economy for a lot of people, um, and and use of, for example, people's photos without credit isn't cool. Um, so, uh, I, I, as far as I know, I, ha- I haven't seen the the, um, the offending post, but um, I, I think they will watermark anyway with with the the at least part of the logo from from this particular site. Um, you know, and I, I, I apologize for that. It happens, but yes, there was a million ways to get hold of us. They certainly have my personal email. Um, we had very many comments from people. Um, I'm just going to go with one from, uh, from George, uh, that's at palace away on Twitter, expose the group so we can all unfollow bunch of nonce grasses. Um, and then somebody's replied CP and FC in the States to say, assuming we already don't follow them. Um, look, well, we're not going to say who it is um, because that, that's just that's ridiculous. Um, we don't want to get them in trouble, and, and perhaps they'll, they'll learn from from it. But um, overreaction doesn't even begin to explain um, solicitors' letters. I mean, they're, they're serious stuff. They're expensive, and and nothing that a, a quick Twitter DM to us couldn't have solved. No, absolutely right. And look, you know, we could make make a massive deal out of it. We're not going to. We're going to. Let it die now and hope that nothing more is said on the matter. But you know, I think you you know it's difficult, isn't it? Because you don't really own these things, you know, anything. I mean, if you look at, the, you know, I'll get into some detail on the memes. If you look at what was put together in those images, you know, lots of those things aren't owned by the person who put them together. Um, and from our, from our point of view, it's a little bit of a miscommunication. Um, and you know, it's it's meant that we've had to make some changes in monitoring what we're doing a bit better. But Really, it's just you know I couldn't. I think most people's reaction has been the same. It's, it's just it, it was very odd. It's, it seems very very strange to go to that level um, to to I don't know claim ownership of something that you know is is ambiguous at best anyway. But you know anyway, I'd like to just say that you know we we're supportive of all of, of all fan groups and people who are putting their time and energy into doing something that's a labour of love and that they care about and they want to do well. Um, we never at any point intend to take anyone's work and pass it off as our own, much like we wouldn't expect anyone else to do the same for our work. But, you know, there's we, you know, we have a website and we're all individually on social media. So if anything like that ever happens in the future and any of you have got any concerns whatsoever with something that we do, just get in touch with us and we'll sort it out. It's not a problem. Um, and you know, like I say, if, perhaps if anything goes any further, we will start to bring more attention on who it was. But I think they'd probably benefit from the attention, which is one of the main reasons I don't want to do it. But extremely disappointed with it, I have to say. So let's uh, let's finish up by talking about um, some comments. Some really good article written by Steve Parrish, and very pleasingly, he wrote it in the Times, which is behind a paywall. Um, but it was also republished with the permission of the Times on the Palace website. A brilliant, brilliant article about uh, the Premier League wanting to restart and addressing some of the, the discussions that have been uh, have gone on behind the scenes. So it's got, contains some great information on what, what they're planning in terms of the Premier League get, getting up and running again. But there's some things I'd love to pick out from it and get your views on, gents. And in particular, I thought it was, it was fascinating to, to read Steve pointing out that you know I think a lot of people have viewed the situation with the Premier League wanting to get up and running again 
as as football being almost sort of arrogant and dismissive of safety concerns and thinking it's above other people and all this kind of stuff. And he made some fantastic points talking about, I mean, from the, from the level of talking about the amount of tax that the finances that the Premier League actually raised. But the most important thing that I, I felt was, was raised in that was suggesting that football holds this really high um, position in society, particularly in this country, for a reason. It's extremely important to a huge number of people. And it actually has an opportunity here to to use its fantastically vast resources and its huge influence to actually start leading the way in showing you know how a, how you can get back to some semblance of normality and some sort of adjustment um and i think you know people get sort of stuck in this idea that we just wait things out everything will go back to normal when the reality is you're going to have to accept that there will now and forever be a new normal of how society works and i love the you know the, the i mean the really important comment in there was about the fact that in no circumstances can football take any kind of testing capacity any nhs or, or you know even private you know potentially private medical capacity that could be used within the country but so it absolutely means that in the initial period that no supporters will be attending matches but they they believe that they can start setting a precedent and showing that there are ways and means to get people together playing competitive sport. And that might show the way for other companies and other workplaces and society in general and how to get back. And I thought that was a really important um, thing to start talking about. So that's, I've said my piece, Kernaz. Yeah, I, I've said it on a YouTube video. If you've already watched it, um, you can go there, but, if it's, I think the season should end regardless. Um, you can't, for various reasons, for financial. Of course, health is very important, but I've not put no date or time in it. Um, what I've read uh, from Steve Parish made total sense. Um, football, of course, is not. It, it does contribute to the economy, but it's not. Of course, health is more important. But he did say that economy, like the economic side of things, is also important as well for even clubs like Palace. Um, and the likes of below. So I would want the seasons to finish regardless of what. I don't want the season to be void because I feel like it's just due to pettiness and people don't want Liverpool to win the league, which I don't care about. So yeah, that's it. I mean, finish the season, whether that's in December, January, I don't care. Uh, Make sure the players are safe um, to do so and willing because that's another factor that many people haven't considered. Do the players want to play? And once all that's cleared, continue finish the season off then after that we can focus on the future like that but i feel like this season has to be completed before we move on i don't want to get into discussing this too much because everyone already has everyone's got an opinion you can pretty much listen to a certain sports radio channel 24 hours a day discussing it but um just give you a quote from the article um it, the Premier League, pays about £400 million per year to the English Football League in parachute and solidarity payments, almost five times the EFL's TV deal. It pays £25 million annually towards the National League and grassroots. The Premier League in itself does not make any profit or retain cash. Well, I don't really care about that, but it is merely a mechanism for distributing income to its 20 clubs and throughout the game. So, um, I think that that probably is the best explanation I've heard for why if the other leagues are cancelled and I can see them being cancelled, the Premier League should probably still go ahead because financially it's still going to make more difference to the EFL clubs than probably playing the games themselves. Um, And he's put that very succinctly and uh, appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think 
you know, it's, it's worth reading the whole thing yourselves. I'm not going to not going to read it all out to it to, to you, but you know, I, I, it's interesting to read that the, the thought process is, has gone that far. If you like, um, you know, he mentions in here, and I am going to read directly from it. Says I've seen all the proposals for training and travel, and while there are challenges, the proposal offer a level of protection to the players, staff, and officials that I believe will render Premier League football one of the safest places in society to coexist. Much safer than a journey to the supermarket at present. I think that level of context is really important. You know, people are quite rightly nervous. I dare say the players and staff involved will probably be the most nervous about it all. But you know, they're they're saying that their proposals, their ideas will put in place something where those involved will have a level of protection that is greater than the fact that, you know, if they had to go and get some milk from the supermarket. And, you know, you're, that's, the, that's the, the, the situation we're all in as human beings at the moment. We cannot guarantee 100% safety at all times anyway. So you can't really approach the argument for football from a position of saying you have to eliminate all risk because... The, the horrible reality of the pandemic is you cannot eliminate all risk um, unless you are literally sat in a house not moving 100% of the time. And it's very difficult for all of us to to contemplate doing that because we have to exercise, we have to eat and drink, and you know, and a lot of people have to go to work. So anyway, I think fantastic to see that that sort of stuff's being thought about. And I personally believe it would be a huge boost to a lot of people um, if those games were to go ahead. I believe the idea is being played in a series of selected venues and it will be broadcast for everybody to watch, which would be fantastic. It will certainly lift my spirits until Palace lose, of course. Anyway, um, I think we will leave it there. Hope you enjoyed it. Thank you very much indeed to Mikey for producing, to DR and to Mike for being the panel today. And uh, yeah, preview show will be back in the middle of the week and we'll see you again next week. Bye. Back of the chest. Coronavirus self-isolation podcast. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.